Hey, welcome to A Little Better. My name's Daniel. I'll be your host today on the podcast. We have a special guest, and Drew and I are back on uh, together. We talk all about false gospels that we believe. What are the lies that we have taken into our life, and what are the pieces of truth that we can find in them if we put them in the proper context? We're going to talk about all that and so much more on today's episode. Remember, our goal on this podcast is to know Jesus better, and by the power of His Spirit, do better, so together we can be a little better. Hey, welcome to A Little Better. We are here with week 10 of Summer on the Mount. We had a very special guest this past Sunday, one of our lay elders, John McIntyre. Uh, John, we've already told us your name. Tell us a little about your family. You didn't share that on Sunday. Um, tell us about your wife, kids. How many of those do you have? Yeah, I have uh, four kids, four girls. Um, hmm. They are Elena, who's eight. I have a pair of five-year-old twins, uh, Clara and Grace. And then we've got a two-year-old, almost three, named Sylvie. Nice. And, and just one wife, right? Just one wife. Okay. Allison, um, she and I both grew up here at this church. We met here, and we've been nice. married uh, a little over 10 years. When you say grew up here... Like from babies. From we babies. Were, my, our parents were both here before we were born. Our families came here. We were in the nursery at one point back when they still had cages on the wall, like cages. instead of cribs. Yeah, like cage, <laughs> cribs three high. Can, I think we do, if, can we delete that from the podcast, please? They're gone, folks. Don't worry. We you don't can bring, want those back. Bring your babies. See how far we've come. Uh, things far things we've come. were a little weirder back then. <laughs> but no, a cage was appropriate in my case. And uh, yeah, so yeah, been here my entire life. I mean, that's a, somebody thought like cages on the wall, like this is a great idea. Oh, <laughs> like say floor space, like we'll just stack them up, yeah, you know, like exactly. How can we put them. more babies in boxes in yeah. this room? Do you know like, if they've gotten rid of them or we still have? They are. They're in what's now the, the two year old room. Oh. They used to have cages in the wall. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's a storage. That's like the storage in the two year old room. No, like those. the two-year-old, like they, they got ripped out a long oh, time okay. ago. Oh, okay. I was like, people wait, are like, what? Why? No, you can't put those in there. <laughs> nice. Well, that's incredible. Well, you gave the sermon, and so this is Drew's favorite part that he doesn't get to do this time. Yes. I'm uh, just kidding. He hates it. But uh, give us your sermon in 60 seconds. Okay, sermon in 60 seconds. Um, so we're looking at Matthew seven thirteen. We start, Jesus talks about a wide path that leads to destruction and a narrow path that leads to eternal life. And we look where he says that he is the path to life, that faith in him um, is the only path to life. It's narrow because it's only him. And um, you know, then he gives us some warnings about um, false teachers and, and false gospels and things that we, uh, to be careful to that we might be believing things or, or think we're on the right path and not. And he gives us some ways to look at fruit in our life. Um, you know, is is what we should, how we can tell whether we're headed on the right path or not. And to be to be careful because it's easy to be deceived. Mm-hmm. That's good. I loved how you just pointed out, like in that, and even in your sermon, how there's connective tissue to all these sections. Because most of the time we would like, okay, this is three different sermons, and and there's been multiple weeks in this series where different speakers have had to like, how do I make this connect and work together? Yeah. But Jesus, you know, he was preaching one sermon. Uh, and he had a lot of things that he went on. I think that's important to remind people, like, we've taken 11 weeks to cover one sermon. Yeah. 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 Jesus is one, like, this is not a, like, oh, topical message series. <laughs> this all... is one sermon yeah. that Jesus preached on a mountain. Yeah. yeah. He just preached it. And he was like, oh, and about this. Oh, yeah. And about this. And he just kept jumping from topic to topic. Only Jesus that. can get away with yeah. preaching like that, though. Yeah. You know, 
the <laughs> three hour sermon and bing, bang, boom, boom. You know, everybody be like, come on, we need one thesis and one point. Uh, Matthew's like furiously screaming. <laughs> He's like, oh my gosh. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. So Brad loves to ask this question. And since you're in his you know chair today, oh, I want to ask it for you. What'd you leave on the table? Like, so what did you, you know, during your writing process, you put it in, but you had to take it out to meet your time. Yeah. Oh, there was a bunch. Like I had to, I had to do a lot of trimming. I think one thing um, that I eventually took out, um, you know, where we talked about, you know, checking, everybody should be checking, you know, the teachers they're hearing for scripture. You know, I want to, you know, remind folks like in Acts 17, we see, you know, even people doing that with the apostle Paul, Mm. you know, the Berean Jews, uh, where he came proclaiming the gospel, they spent, you know, scouring the gospel, you know, day and night to see if what Paul said was true. And, you know, it's like, it doesn't matter who the guy you're listening to is like, we all have that ability to, you know, have access to God's word for ourselves. We don't need a mediator. We have God's word. And, you know, that, that you should definitely be doing that when I'm preaching and and maybe even when Drew's preaching. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) I mean, Paul tells them to do that. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, he, he says, fact check me. So good teachers in, in my mind, like they would be open uh, to somebody fact checking them against against scripture, it's probably a good sign where someone's not open to being fact checked. It's usually a, a good indicator of like, mm, I'm not sure <laughs> yeah. I want to listen to that person. Uh, that's good. One of the parts of your sermon that I just thoroughly enjoyed that I want to talk about some more on this is you talked about false gospels. You know mm-hmm. those false belief um, down at the, the towards the end of your sermon, and you pointed out four things that you said were false gospels. The no judgment God, the try hard, do better, uh, prosperity gospel of health, wealth, and your own happiness, and political or social gospels. Why is it so easy for us to attach ourselves or put more weight towards one of these things, or maybe even something else other than the true gospel of Christ and his suffering cross? Yeah, I, I think it's easy. We find them attractive because we find pieces of truth in them. You know that at their core, there are things in there that are true. You know, like um, you know, it's it's not fair to say that Jesus doesn't want us to try harder and do better, like in our walk for Him to choose Him and you know to be obedient to Him. But that's not what we're counting on. You know, for our salvation, and we find in Him almost you know the grace, the freedom to fail, and that sort of frees us up to be able to succeed sometimes, you know, that we're not carrying the weight of our eternity on our shoulders with our actions, but we've got the choice to choose to obey him because we trust that his way is better. And he died for me while I was still sinner, you know, like we all are making mistakes, choosing wrong, unwise, um, uh, hurtful paths to myself and others, you know, and he wants us to do better in that. And, and in all of these, you know, like, uh, in prosperity, God, you know, he blesses us richly. And we, you know, we read in Proverbs about how, you know, following him, you know, oftentimes and the wisdom that he, you know, presents is the path to a successful life. And we are truly, you know, happy, you know, in him, satisfied in him, you know. And so, you know, there's pieces of truth, you know, in all of this and social gospels, political gospels, we see what's wrong with the world. We want to fix it and we put our energy sometimes in fixing it without really remembering that, you know, it's not going to be fixed until he returns, that yeah. everybody's a sinner, you know, we're all doing the best we can, but there's no perfect people, there's no perfect system, you know, that and the only hope for the world, for our country, for our society, you know, for our neighbors and for me is the gospel. Yeah. I think some of it too is probably, we would rather it be dependent on us than dependent on Christ. Mm. What's so hard about the true gospel is there is nothing I can do 
because it's already been done. Mm. All these other gospels are, are circle around our pride and us doing, you know, our work gets the job done, right. not Christ, right? Like yeah. prosperity, it's how, you know, like if I do the right things, I am mm. blessed. You know, the no judgment gospel is like, I, if I, there's just so much that's dependent on me. And in the real gospel, zero of it is yeah. dependent on yeah. you. And that's, I'm guilty of this. That's hard for me. I like yeah. to be able to be in control and I like to get my hands dirty and re- be responsible for at least a portion of it. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's talk about the, let's nuance each one of these one by one. Cause if somebody's like, I, you know, listening or watch your sermon on Sunday is more drawn to gravitated toward one or the other, let's nuance it. So let's do the first one. No judgment, God. What's so attractive about no judgment, God? Well, that's easy. You know, it's, it's a it's a terrifying thought, you know, that someday I'm going to be judged for my actions and that those around me, you know, the people I love, you know, would be judged too. You know, I don't want that for them. I don't want that for me, you know, but, you know, Jesus proclaims that that is true and he sealed, he proved what he said was true by coming mm-hmm. back from the dead, you know, and uh, Andy Stanley says, right, if anybody uh, predicts their death and resurrection and pulls it off, I'm just going to go with whatever that guy says, (laughs) you know? So, you know, I think we need to take his words seriously and his warning seriously. And it's not what I would have chosen. It's not what I wish were true. And he says, it's not the will of the father that any should perish, but I think it's, it's unloving to pretend it isn't true uh, Mm, and to hide that truth. Well, and there's no responsibility in this one, right? You can do whatever you want and not have to worry about being judged because there is no judgment. So you can live freely and there's no repercussions or responsibility for your actions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, is there any, truth to the statement or the view of no judgment God? Is there any like inkling of like, well, they got, they're headed down the right path, but they achieve it in the wrong way. Sure. Yeah. You know, because when we place our faith in Christ and come to him, uh, you know, and have that relationship, you know, um, Paul writes, you know, um, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ, right? That, that we can find no judgment is in, you know, no eternal condemnation or consequences because, you know, of that ludicrous prisoner exchange we talked about where um, if we place our faith in Christ, we take on his righteousness Mm. and he takes away our sin. And when God looks at us, he doesn't see all the many, 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 you know, things I've done to hurt myself and others and and break God's heart. Uh, He looks and sees, you know, his son on the cross that he sent Mm. willingly to die for me, you know, when my, when I was still, you know, in mud and not able to climb my way out. And Mm. so, you know, there is no condemnation for those in Christ. That that is a truth. You know, but the key is in Christ. Where's your hope? Yeah. What are you trusting on? Are you yeah. asking Him to take that condemnation from you? Yeah, we we've already talked about what they get wrong, so I won't uh, nuance it anymore. Other than just say that I've heard a pastor, really wise pastor, once say about sin, a present sin. Like even though there is no condemnation, that doesn't mean there's no there's not any consequences, right? And so yeah. our our, con- our actions still have consequences, even though. We are forgiven in Christ. You know, the no judgment God where it gets wrong is like that there are no consequences to our sin. Like right. if, we, if we embezzle money from our company, we still have consequences. Like we are maybe forgiven in Christ, but we yeah. still may go to jail. <laughs> like, right, right. You know, in that regard um, of that. But so sin still has consequences. All right, let's go to the second one. Try hard, do better. Why is this so attractive? I think Drew hit on it earlier. I'd love to believe that I have the power, you know, to save myself, to change my own destiny, right? We we love to be, you know, our own pilots, our own kings, our own mm. gods, really, right? Yeah. And, you know, to to be able to say, 
you know, surely I can do enough, or maybe, you know, surely I'm not that bad to begin with, Mm. uh, you know, that we find that attractive, but even more than finding it, you know, attractive in our hope, I think there's a lot of people who say they're believers in Christ, uh, but still walk around carrying this weight upon them, you know, that they, 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 believe the gospel, but they don't live the gospel. They're still Mm. living like their eternity and the way God views them and loves them, you know, is, is determined by, you know, the actions in their life and the, and the choices they make. And they still carry every failure with them, Mm. you know, and view themselves with condemnation that God doesn't view them. And, you know, I, I've seen that, I've seen that in my own life. I've seen that in lives of others that, you know, it's much harder to live that way, you know, than it is to say that. And that's not to say, you know, we need to, you know, throw caution to the wind and, and, you know, live, you know, you know, a life of, of freedom and, and, you know, doing anything sinning without consequence, right? Because, Mm -hmm. Hey, God's forgiven me, but, you know, we need to, we also don't need to carry our, our failures with us um, if we've repented of them and asked Christ to forgive them. You know, I, that's what I was talking about earlier. Like somehow the freedom to fail gives us the freedom to succeed, to obey, to change and grow. Hmm. That's so good. So where are the pieces or things that they were headed on the right path with the try hard, do better? What, what is the truth that is existent in there, if there is any? Yeah, doing good deeds, right? I mean, let your if we're in the same sermon, yeah, same let sermon, your yeah. good deeds shine, shine before, before yeah. you know, same sermon. And so it's this idea that I want to do good, right? Who even as a Christ follower, I I want to have good deeds. Yeah. I should have good deeds if the Spirit is living in mm-hmm. me. And so it's this truth of like my good deeds glorify God. Well, they do, but the the lie in it is that your good deeds get you to God. Yeah, remember what. You know, Jesus' half-brother said, right, James, he said, you know, uh, I'm probably going to butcher it because he's such a wordsmith, but he says, show me your faith by your, your deeds. deeds Not, yeah. No, he doesn't say in the regard of, like, earning our way to God. There's uh, James K. Smith is a philosopher, religious uh, theologian. Uh, he says, God's grace is not opposed to your effort, it's opposed to your earning. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the grace of God is not opposed to us, like, Attempting to pursue him, attempting to uh, you know, you know, be better for him with our willpower. Yeah. Right. But we we depend for salvation all on grace's power. Yep. Um, in that regard, well, and Jesus even shoots that down in this passage you preach. Right, he says, "Hey, some people have done really good deeds. Like, mm-hmm. what's what's an amazing deed? A miracle, <laughs> yeah. casting out a demon. Right. Like, those seem like pretty, pretty awesome good, things, yeah. right? But Jesus is like." I never knew you, right? Mm. That grace hasn't covered you. Yeah. Your good deeds have. And, and what is, you know, and in terms of effort, like what is the, what is the verse? I'm going to butcher it too. Like you've not resisted temptation, you know, to the point of, of sweating or, yeah. uh, you know, like you, right. We need to try harder sometimes, you know, resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Like we, it takes effort. It takes, you know, a steadfastness and self-control, you know, that we do need to bring to the table, but that's not what we're carrying our eternity on. Yeah. Yeah. All right, third one, health, wealth, prosperity, um, uh, my own happiness, the prosperity gospel. Yeah. So uh, why is this so attractive, right? That's, that's probably the softball. <laughs> blessing, baby, blessing. Yeah, let the blessing. Are you ready to receive a blessing? Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's a lot of talk about blessing in, in the Bible and from God, and there's a lot of talk. Uh, he talks a lot about money and wealth and the path, you know, wise paths to follow, you know, to to go to receive that, you know, and that, you know, wealth is not bad. What's wrong is the love of wealth that we put our heart in it, that we put our hope in it. 
uh, that that's what we're trusting on instead of God. And it's very, he talks more about money than anything else because it's easy for, for that to control our hearts. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he blesses us richly, right? There he, he you know, <laughs> brings the rain on the righteous and, you know, the um, the unrighteous alike, right? He, he allows there to be success, you know, for, for a lot of people in this world and all good things come from him. Um, but to, to reduce, you know, what the gospel is, to some sort of a formula where if I obey God or if I give something to him, you know, then he's going to do this great thing for me and answer my prayers as if we could buy, you know, some kind buy our relationship with God or buy his will, his favor, his action, you know, is, is insane, you know, is, is super arrogant. Um, and it completely misses the point of, of the hope of the gospel, right? If we're, if we have our eyes set on this world, you know, this world is going to fade and pass away and take us with it, you know, because our hope isn't in, you know, our health or our sickness, uh, or our, you know, our, our finances, our blessing, the, the current state of this world, right, is not, is, that's not what our hope is in, you know, despite how very real and painful circumstances of this world can be, you know, there are people who are sick, who have cancer, who are, you know, desperately praying for God and, and wanting a cure, a healing, a miracle, something from him, who are in dire circumstances, who are poor, who are in need and are wanting uh, a blessing, a miracle, some, some providence from him. And, and those are not bad hopes. We should be praying for those things. And God provides those things many times. But the reality is, is as we even you know, see in the scripture, there are people who he chooses you know, not to heal, not to you know, grant miracles to, not prayers not to answer. Um, and I think part of the reason of that is that's not where he wants our hope to be. Our hope needs to be in the next life, in the new creation, in his kingdom, uh, in what he's doing and who he says he is. Because, you know, in a hundred years from now, none of us are going to be here, right? And and none of what we have in this world is going to matter. And our hope uh, and our eyes need to be fixed on eternity, on him, on his kingdom and what's mm-hmm. coming. Well, I think with this one too, it's not only like I'm going to buy my way to Jesus, it's almost... I only want Jesus because he's going to give me what I want. Mm. You know, if I have a relationship with Jesus, the blessing that God will pour out on me will be worth that relationship. And it's almost a phony, right? Where you're, you're using Jesus to get what you think Jesus can provide for you. Not the hope that covers your sin, but the blessing of finances Mm. because I know Jesus. And what's hard about this one is, you know, the Bible, again, there are, it's like you said, there are, there are, slices of truth that are misplaced in all of these. Mm. You know, I think Paul says, you know, whoever sows sparingly, reaps sparingly, and mm. whoever sows, you know, sows generously, reaps generously. Reaps generously. Yeah. You have Malachi, right? Hey, if you give back to God, he'll pour out his, he'll open the storehouses, test him in this, right? And he'll bless you beyond Damn. measure. And those things are true. They are very true. But it's almost like people run with them. And maybe sometimes the storehouses isn't God going to be like, hey, here's a million. Here's a million. Maybe the blessing is, here's a bad circumstance that I'm going to teach you Mm. something, make you more holy, make you more like me. And I think the idea of prosperity and what brings prosperity, we have a false identity in. Or or whatever that definition is. You pointed it out like that. God can show you prosperity through actually your suffering because yeah. you get to know Him more intimately, and so that's just a missed thing. And and even in this whole movement of prosperity gospel in America, um, is 
is also, you know, looking back at this, the scriptures, how many times did the ancient Near East culture view different definitions of suffering as that's God's wrath against you, you mm-hmm. know, like, oh, you can't have children, that's God punishing you for something. Or like, oh, you are broke, that's God punishing you for something. And they had to be corrected in those misunderstandings. It's like, no, not all the time is God punishing you because of whatever, and he's not blessing you monetarily because you've honored him. That's Those things are not always connected. Sometimes they are, sometimes they aren't. Like, you know, yeah. we trust in God's wisdom and pursue, you know, the eternity in that regard and have that in our sights. All right, this is the last one, uh, political and social gospels. Um, what is the attractiveness to these things? It'd be nice to think that, you know, through some law, through some leader, through some movement, that we could, you know, bring the kingdom that Jesus is describing, you know, here to reality now. Um, we want that. We want justice in this world. We want, um, you know, inequality in this world to to be eliminated. We want, um, you know, crime in this world to go away. We want the bad things, you know, people are doing to stop. Right? We want to change this world and fix it and make it right. That's not wrong at all. Um, and we should also not stop trying for those things. You know, it's, it's not, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be, you know, pursuing change and movement and being the voice, you know, for the voiceless of being, you know, using whatever uh, position or power or influence we have to, you know, to come to the, be a voice for those without it. Right. That's, that's something we should all do. And it's great that we have, you know, political systems with which theoretically to be able to, you know, influence and change and, and bring some of these things to pass. But that can't be where our eternal hope is, you know, and when we see, you know, swap a politician for a savior, you Mm. know, things get really, really, really ugly, really fast, you know, and I think, you know, no matter which politician you're have in mind when I'm saying this, you know, like, I think we've seen how much that's true in the last several years, um, you know, and the, we can't put our hope in a person. And, And I think there's a real danger of, of, uh, you know, people using gospel words of people using biblical language and things that sound like truth and have elements of yeah. biblical truth in it to grab people and lead them astray like a Pied Piper to now where their hope isn't on the cross, isn't on the gospel. Our hope is in a person, you know, whether that's a politician or ourself or, or whomever. Uh, but that's that's dangerous. That's real mm-hmm. dangerous. I, I say it like this. Anytime your solution to sin is a policy or a flawed person or a government system, something's broken. And I feel like, you know, many Christians throughout the last, you know, four years, five years, whatever, have found their hope or the solution to the problems of sin in those places. And when that solution isn't the gospel working first, we've missed the mark. And I feel like that's the biggest thing in this in this movement is, it's all rooted in good desires, right? but misplaced in the wrong solution. So like, I want to see the world change, but I think the world will change through a policy or through a, a government leader or through some work uh, in this area. But really, we're attacking symptoms that are rooted in good desires, but we're not, at- we're not attacking the ul- ultimate solution to sin, which is the gospel. And so I think that's where we get misplaced in this. 
social gospel. For mm-hmm. sure. That's so good. Well, we're winding in our time, so I want you guys to give one more word of wisdom in all these things, you know, that there are there are people that are teaching these or believing these, and you can tack it at whatever way you want to do, is uh, if someone's believing these or hearing these taught, what's one word of wisdom to um, spot them or to look the other way, look on Jesus? What's one word of wisdom you would give them? Uh, well, <laughs> a friend of mine um, you gave this thought to me, a quote from someone I, I don't, I can't remember who, but, you know, a teacher is only as useful uh, as much as they point to Christ as our only hope, mm-hmm. you know, and if somebody, if somebody is proclaiming, you know, your hope and your like ultimate allegiance to something that's other than Jesus as the only solution, the only hope, the only cure, the only way to life, you know, then, then run, turn that guy off, change the channel. And if he doesn't look like Jesus in his heart, in his teaching, in, uh, his character, you know, by the way they live their life, you know, point to Jesus, run. Um, and you know, one, I'm, I'm going to add a second thing here because you asked me earlier things we cut. And one thing I, you know, want to just add on the idea of these whole false gospels is, um, you know, there's a, a good movie out there that I'd recommend to folks, mm-hmm. um, called the American, called American gospel Christ alone. It's the, the first one of a series I think it came out in 2019 that does a nice job of, uh, you know, showing what the gospel of Jesus Christ is and showing a lot of the false gospels that are out there like these, unpacking these even more, especially the prosperity gospel, uh, you know, that we don't even realize we've internalized or believe sometimes. So that's, I think, at AmericanGospelFilm.com. I'd recommend people can look to that for some more. I mean, I don't know if I'd add anything to that. I think, you know, when your solution is the gospel, pointing people to Christ and what he can do in and through people, I believe through Christ, you can, you can change a lot of things that we want to see changed, Mm -hmm. but it has to start with Christ. And if people are pushing you to something other than Christ, I think run is a great, Mm -hmm. a great response Um, because Christ is our hope and he is the foundation in which change happens. And so... If people aren't starting there, then we are wasting our time. Mm, that's good. The only other thing I would add to that is just satur- saturate yourself in God's Word so you yeah, know what the yeah. true gospel is. You know, run from false teaching, um, you know, point yourself in the direction of a good teaching and satur- saturate yourself in the, the Word of God and, and be listen to the Holy Spirit. And when you do those things, uh, you'll lean in well and mm. uh, live your life well to, uh, in light of eternity, in light of God's kingdom. Well, thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of A Little Better. That film and other uh, recommendations or resources will be in the show notes. We can't wait to hang out with you again next week. 